0: Welcome to the Seriously Social Podcast with your host, Simone Douglas. Today's guest is business coach, Kara Lambert. She and Simone talk about imposter syndrome, digital overwhelm, and the value of collaboration in business. So joining me today for Seriously Social, the podcast, is Kara Lambert of Kara Lambert. Welcome.
1: Thanks, <laughs> Simone.
0: All right, so um, maybe we can start off, if you can just give us... Uh, the cliff note version as to you know what you're all about and Mm -hmm. and how you find
1: yourself here today so what i'm all about is teaching business owners the psychology behind business whether it's their own personal psychology and how to motivate themselves how to motivate their staff um and also how to connect and use psychology with their customers as well especially with social media so that's the cliff notes
0: yeah cool um i think the psychology of themselves must be fascinating because yeah. as business owners, I, well, and I know for myself, you know, resilience is such a big part of being successful in business. Mm. Um, and a lot of people
1: don't take the time to interrogate their own psychology. No, they don't. And what I found was that I was training business owners on social media and how to promote their business online. Yeah. And i give them all the skills and then they wouldn't do it. And I'm like okay I can lead a horse to water guys mm-hmm. what's going on and I actually have a psychology degree mm-hmm. that sits behind all of this so I was talking to them and I'm like, oh look I'm actually really afraid of putting myself out there yeah and so it was then delving into why and what was behind that so sometimes it is that resilience and being able to go hey look here i am Mm -hmm. this is me and this is my business yeah and doing that do you find that um
0: in in the face of that
1: that it's almost
0: like building up that critical mass of empirical evidence that the sky is not going to fall
1: in for some of them yes Mm. for some some of them it is some of them it's that little story that they've always told themselves of you know what my voice really doesn't matter Mm. Um, and then it is that empirical evidence that sits behind of of people are actually listening they are they do want to know what i have to say and they do actually resonate with it and respond to it as well
0: what do you think the biggest challenge is for a business that is trying to establish a voice in the digital realm like in social media Wow, you
1: yeah, know, small question. <laughs> <laughs> um, biggest problem it, at the start, it's actually putting themselves out there. Like yeah. Taking that very first step and knowing that they don't have to be all things to all people and have this massive following. Um, I was once told you know, 30% of your audience will love you or a third of your audience will mm-hmm. love you, a third of your audience could care less, and a third of your audience will hate you. So true. Yeah. And you just play to that first third yeah. that love you, and that's all you need to worry about.
0: Yeah, and I think that's also um, ties in really nicely. I often talk to my clients about, you know, get to know what your niches are. So mm-hmm. really understand who are your bread and butter clients. Yeah. So the ones that, you, you know, pay the bills on time. We like working with them. They help you to pay your bills on time. Yeah. You know they're not the most profitable but they you know we like them um and then who are those cream clients that you know you absolutely love so you're on board one of them they're very sticky they're turned into brand advocates yep. uh and then the dream clients that you know your competitors wish they had <laughs> but they're your clients um but yeah understanding how we service those people and more importantly where we talk to them and how we talk Mm. to them and not trying to be all
1: things to all people all the time because you can't. Yeah, and I think for me it's that how we talk to them and talking to them the way that they want to be spoken to, not necessarily the way that we want to talk to them or we think they want to be spoken to. So that's the the difference.
0: I think that's really difficult for business owners that don't have a background in... um, yeah psychology or counseling or people management it's um often the biggest
1: challenge is they're like but this is what i want to say (laughs) (laughs) exactly and it's funny because one of the first things people say to me when i say i've got a psych degree it's like you're reading my mind you're inside my head and it's actually that skill it's like yeah i I, I'm inside your client's head or I'm inside your staff member's head or yep. guess what, I am actually inside your head and yep. I'm going to make you do X, Y, Z. So yeah, it is getting in their head and finding out what they want to say. Yeah.
0: Do you find that puts you at a really good advantage though when you work with clients to help them to tell their stories effectively on social media?
1: I think it makes it easier for them. Yeah. Because I'm also that one step removed mm-hmm. that, you know, it doesn't matter so much to me there is no right and wrong for me it's this is it whereas a lot of business owners are a little bit afraid of well what if i get it wrong yeah well guess what you're not going to get it wrong it's you it's Mm -hmm. your brand you say it yeah and do it that way so i think i have that advantage with with being inside their heads yeah that you can just coach them a little bit along
0: the way and keep them i think there definitely is you know working in that field um What's the word? It's not burden's the wrong word, but a responsibility to support your client through that process of being seen. Because mm. um, I think even in business, you know, particularly I find often women in business. But I'm, you know, the more men I talk to, the more I discover it's, it's the same either way. Yes. <laughs> is that it's um, that whole imposter syndrome of like, well, what if somebody says actually I don't know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, how um, do you, you know, or what more importantly, what do you think other business owners can do that help
1: to help them get themselves past that little voice on the back of their shoulder that goes, you can't do that? Yeah, so the biggest thing that I have for imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. is actually not making it about you. So, to make it about the audience that you're serving, it's like, so what am I doing? What am I giving to them? How am I helping them? Because they're the most important thing. So when you turn it and make it about yourself, then yeah. of course you're going to get, well, they're going to tap me on the shoulder and call yeah. me out for a fake or a phony or a yeah. fraud. And you really need to turn it around and put it onto the other person, make it about service and serving them. Well,
0: I think there's also that story of um, when you are focused on the relationship and focused on providing value, mm-hmm. I don't think you can get it wrong. No. And so it's, that's very empowering. Like every now and again, I'll end up having a conversation with someone, not very often anymore, but, you know, um, where someone will go, oh, you know, you are just always so out there and I go, well, I'm just being me. And they're like, really? But you know, you just, you, you say exactly what you mean and you say exactly what you think. And, and you just, you seem to be doing all of these things. Mm. And I was saying to someone the other day, I don't, I can't do it any other way. I can only do me and I can only do it the way that I know how to do
1: it. I think when I first got into this industry, the hardest thing for me was comparison. And I had to realize that I was so different to everybody else and actually be okay with that. Yeah. Be okay with that difference, like I said earlier, that one-third of the community. Yeah, the people that you're
0: talking to. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So why would you try to be anything different? Because if you focus on that one-third and serving that one-third that connects with you, if you are anything else other than yourself, you can't connect to them and they're not yeah. going to follow you. They're not going to like you. They're not going to come on board with you, yeah. So, especially in this kind of competitive environment.
0: Yeah, I, I think – do you think that comes down to trusting – your own value or valuing what it is that you bring to the table yeah yeah because it's i know for myself you know often people will say um oh who are your competitors so you know i did a website redesign <laughs> the other day um you know my web developer who's amazing i work with him forever i think he's, this is like the sixth website he's built for me yeah. and he's like so who are your competitors because i want to go look at their speed of their sites and stuff and i'm like i don't have any Mm. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I'm not competing with anybody. I'm like, there are other people in the market that provide similar services, but they provide them in different ways. Yeah. Or they specialize in different niches or they're... um, more
1: warm and fuzzy than me or or less warm and fuzzy than me (laughs) they have a different niche you know it's all of those different kinds of things yeah Yeah. absolutely and you know in a lot of the groups that I'm in with other business owners they say oh well you know you've got to keep an eye on the competitors do a competitor analysis Mm -hmm. to see where you are in the marketplace I'm like I actually wouldn't even know yeah because I'm too focused on my audience, my clients Mm -hmm. and me and what I'm doing and making sure I'm delivering the right stuff for them. Why would I be looking
0: sideways? I I, I often wonder if that whole competitor mindset thing is a 1980s way of doing business. So if you look at, and I, I do particularly think women are doing this very well in business at the moment, is that idea of coopetition and cross collaboration Mm. and you know having conversations about things just because you can and getting to know people just because you can um is is a new way of doing business And, and what i find happens is like i end up then getting referrals from my competitors and vice versa because you know like we have Um, you know some specialist niches like we're one of the few people that just um, specializes in disaster recovery so if there's a massive social media blow up and there's a PR firestorm Mm. you know we will take on that client for a very short term period to put the fire out and then they go back to doing what they were doing because we know news cycles are so short anyway um but also, we tend not to take on duplicate clients that are in close geographical proximity. So, mm. you know, if I have a dentist that's down the road from another dentist and they want someone to do what they need to do, then, you know, I, I need to be able to refer them to someone that can do it for them. Yeah. So, um, how have you found, like, on your journey in business, those kinds of collaboration
1: opportunities? Um, purely through networking. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's the best way. And it's funny, I've I've come back around to it and seeing the value, especially here in Adelaide, mm. the value of networking, having a good group of people around you, even the ones that, that are in the same marketplace as yeah. you are, so that you can work off of each other, work with each other to, to do it. Yeah. yeah, And I've got to admit, I think the women, we, we are tending to do that a lot more and a lot better maybe that's just the network that i'm in
0: yeah it could be Um, i think it's also the um yeah it could just be that whole process of you know finding um different ways to be successful too so, you know, like um, Carly Thompson-Barry, who has mm. SA Woman, who's just she's just an amazing human being. Um, but, you know, like often people go, oh, but, you know, aren't you in competition with SA Woman with your B&I stuff? And I'm like, no. I'm like, because it's completely different. Yeah. And you can be in more than one network. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure there's nothing in my contract that says I can't be friends with anybody else. No, <laughs> um, But, yeah, there's... This, there's still this kind of old perception that you have to live in a silo, but I think that what we're breaking down now is that, well, actually, the more people that you know and the more you know about them, the more fun that everyone gets to have. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how long have you had your business for now? Uh, I was thinking about
1: it earlier, yeah. eight years.
0: Yeah, wow, so we started at the same time. Yep. That's really cool. And what was it that, like, made you go, right, this is what I'm doing
1: now? Um, I come out of a corporate career in Mm -hmm. federal government and my youngest was about to start school so unlike most people that start a business most women will take a break when the kids are born and start a small business I was the opposite my two were off at school Mm. and I was starting a small business so it was quite literally the flexibility that I couldn't get in my career in federal government that it gave me and I just took the skills that I had so I was a technical proofreader and copy okay. editor yeah. and I transferred that into a business and because I had a business online on Facebook mm-hmm. eight years ago yeah exactly. Um, easy I exactly. Le- <laughs> yeah you learn the the nuts and bolts yeah. and um, friends in business were coming to me and saying oh Cara what about this you know how mm-hmm. do I do this on fi- Facebook or that and I ended up helping them more and more and then it was seeing how they I could teach them the technical skills about yeah. being online and being on social media, um, which I'd actually learnt a lot of that stuff in government. Yeah. Because um, I started in 2000 and started in their e business team. Oh, but it okay. That was called yeah. back then. So I've actually been in e business now for 20 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was teaching them the technical skills, and then I could see that a lot of it was their own psychology and their own behavioural that the things that were in the way, so I could then branch out. Yeah, but it's really just people yeah, and how people behave and what holds them back and what yeah. motivates them.
0: But I think that raises a really good point, though, in that um, I often have the conversation with clients um, and people when they're in my training courses, and it's please remember and start treating your social media channels like a digital shopfront Like there is a customer that has walked into your door, and you're having a conversation with them yeah so if, if someone walked into your front door and you went buy my stuff have you bought my stuff my stuff's fifty dollars if you could please buy my stuff that would be great can i have your money
1: yeah it's and not it's going to go very well 24 7 yeah that's the yeah. other thing that we tend to forget mm-hmm. that it's not the nine to no. five thing it's the the 2 a.m when you know we can't sleep thing or it's yeah. the other side of the world wanting to to buy something for a friend here locally or it's all of those kinds of things and i'm i'm the same with my clients it's your digital shop front and you can't be the you know hey yeah bye 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 but it
0: does pose another challenge i suppose too though which is that blurred boundaries if there's no shutting off yeah so um you know that digital exhaustion is very real Mm -hmm. particularly right now when we're in the middle of this evolution of society 5.0 where you've got um you know People who avoided adopting technology to a point have been forced to Mm. thanks to COVID. So they're on the platforms, they're engaging with the things. Um, So, out of curiosity, what is the one piece of advice that you would give to
1: someone right now that is in digital overwhelm? Wow. Um, My favorite thing to do is unfollow. Yeah. I actually learnt. that LinkedIn had an unfollow function, you could still yeah. remain connected with someone. Yeah, but you can still see, to their, see stuff. their stuff. Yeah. And so if you're in digital overwhelm, it is quite literally unfollow people. Mm. Um, I know it's hard, especially if it's friends and family mm. that are really getting on your goat. Yeah, no, they're the first people to <laughs> <are> unfollow. Meet <laughs> them, unfollow <laughs> them, whatever. Yeah. Um, just. Give yourself that space, that virtual space, but Mm. it actually is real space between you and them.
0: Yeah, I was having a conversation with um, Dan, who was um, Dan Levy from More Space for Light, and I was talking about the fact that as a parent... Uh, you know, one of the most valuable things I do with my kids is Saturday morning is like breakfast at a cafe and it's no mm-hmm. phone time. So when Saxon was six and he's now 10, but the first time I did it, I put the phone in the alcove by the front door. I took it out of my pocket, put it on the alcove. So come on, boys, we're going to the cafe. And Saxon nearly had a panic attack. He's like, mom your phone, you need your phone. You can't leave the house with, without your phone. Like, I'm like, No, no, this is phone free zone. It's Saturday yeah. breakfast. We're going for breakfast. Um, don't get me wrong it was hard like, I don't think I've ever been that unplugged like and it was even back then but it's um, I think you also have to give yourself permission to just like two hours nothing's gonna happen so bad like yeah. particularly on the weekends just like take some time away from oh, the notifications
1: absolutely it was one of the things that I did um, was get a smartwatch yeah because the constant ping and ding mm. and buzz of notifications i actually had to even putting my phone on silent yeah it, it just help. didn't yeah. help so i got a smartwatch, and that way i can control a lot more which things i respond to which ones i don't yeah, cool. um in our household, i've got two teenagers a 15 year old uh, and a 13 year old okay and there it's are no phones everywhere. at the table
0: yeah no that's a good rule there yeah. are no
1: phones at the dinner table yeah. um and we all eat together every night yeah, so nice. it's you know keeping those little sanctuaries yeah where you know it's it's a no tech zone or the drive to and from school mm-hmm. i have great conversations with my kids during yeah, drop cool. off and pick up so it's no like seriously we're in the car you can yeah. put it down put for it a down. while
0: i shall confiscate
1: it put it down <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. So if someone, um, yeah, let me get this right. If someone had given you, um, like a piece of advice in your first year of business that mm-hmm. would have really saved you a lot of angst, what would that
1: piece of advice be? Um, I wish I had a group of people around me who got it. Yeah. Um, I use the, the man in the arena speech yeah. by Theodore Roosevelt, you yeah. know, anyway, um, and i now have a group of people around me who are in the the arena they may be colleagues yeah most of them actually aren't Mm. you know one of my friends is a professor at university and i see she's in the arena she is in there getting it you know mud kicked in her face and really getting it done and i really admire her for it because she's she's in there fighting for what she believes in and what she's passionate about yeah and i wished. I had that group of people around me sooner because I wouldn't have been so distracted by who I thought I knew was the, going to yeah. be the, the right person to give me the advice. Uh, I really worked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think often um, that is one of the biggest challenges and I think it's probably a good spot to end is that um, people come and go when you're starting a business, Uh, Everyone will have an opinion. Yeah. (laughs) The people that have never been in the arena will have opinions. The people that are always going to work for someone else and get a paycheck every week are going to have an opinion. They're going to have an opinion on the type of parent you should be while you're running that business, what you should be doing. And I think there's a limit as to who you should take advice from. Absolutely. And the the conversation I had with a business owner yesterday was be very aware of the first statement or question someone makes to you when you share your dream with them. So if their very next question is, so what's your first step to move towards whatever it is that you're talking to or something like that, then they're probably the kind of person that you want in that field because they're not going... Oh, that's ridiculous! You'll never get there.
1: <laughs> what would you or want to do that for? Too <laughs> hard.
0: Yeah. or, yeah. What do you want to do that for? Um, those are the people who tend to need you to be much smaller than you can be in order to be okay. So, um, yeah, I think we're really lucky in Adelaide because we do have this culture of co and you know, like everyone has their own niche and everyone like shares mm-hmm. things. Um, which means it's been really great to have you on the podcast. And Thank you, you for, thanks, me. <laughs> my pleasure. Thanks very much for joining me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Seriously Social. Check our website for the latest news, show notes, and for details about Simone's latest book, Confident Networker.